Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Welcome to the latest episode of Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Mike Fister, a seasoned sales professional with an inspiring story of resilience and courage. Mike joins me to share how he and his family navigated through the difficult times of having two miscarriages within nine months. We're talking about doing a better job of supporting people who are grieving, the power of presence, and being open about difficult situations with kids. He also discusses how his current organization values family first, allowing him to be there for his family during their grieving process. Despite the pain, Mike found moments of joy by leaning into gratitude, and his story is sure to inspire you. Mike is a proud dad of three incredible children, fiery one Aiden, who is eight years old, his shining light Nora, who is five, and two-year-old, he who laughs, Isaac. And he's the husband to his amazing bride, Andrea. He lives by the mentality of plant wheat for a legacy that lasts a season, plant trees for a legacy that lasts for generations, plant people for a legacy that will be eternal. Join me as we learn from wise and wonderful Mike Fister. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you'd like to find peace of mind amidst the chaos and no matter what's going on around you, You'll find a whole bunch of free resources like meditations and articles at zenrabbit.com. And while you're there, if you're curious about how you might stop working so hard and achieve more success at the same time, get a copy of the five easy ways to start living a sabbatical life. It's a short guide to working less and living better. Find it all at zenrabbit.com. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Mike Fister. I'm so eager to talk to you and to hear your story. Welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, so happy to be here, Lori. I'm just really excited about being able to just uh, really kind of dive right into this topic and and, and hopefully provide some value um, to, to your audience for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start out with what were the values, like the key values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you did? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I grew up in a uh, pretty conservative home. So, I mean, faith was definitely a big component uh, of my up- upbringing. And uh, so, I mean, my parents are still together today and uh, just really blessed uh, with the, the family that I grew up in for sure. Did that have an, an effect on like what you went on to do after school? Like, what what led you to yeah. to start your your adult life the way that you did? So my my journey's been kind of I guess you can say part of the norm. 
Uh, I actually don't use the degree that I have. Um, so I've always had a passion for, for working with kids. I still do that in other avenues. So I, my degree is actually in education. Um, so now I just look at myself as being an educator of, of adults. Yeah. Um, it comes with its own challenges, but, but no, it's, I mean, it's definitely been a journey and, and excited to be where I'm at. And I don't regret um, the, the path that I took um, because I think I learned a lot along the way, for sure. What did you want to be when you were growing up? I mean, whatever, you, what every little boy wanted to be. I don't know. Uh, I'm a girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, like, obviously, a like, fireman a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Firefighter, sports star. I mean, all the things that, like, you, you see every, every day. And then um, as I started going into the high school years, I got really involved in technology. And so first enrolled in college uh, for computer science, but then I realized. I didn't want to be stuck in a dark room for, I mean, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, not having human interaction. Uh, my wife jokes, I'm the extroverted extrovert. <laughs> um, so when, when COVID hit, it, it had me climbing the walls. Uh, yeah, I bet. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a, a nutshell of kind of where I came. And so I got into education after realizing I wanted to work more with people. Graduated with a elementary education degree, taught for a year and a half. Realized I didn't have a dual degree in political science to navigate the politics of education. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I've heard that before too. Uh huh. Realized that I needed to. I wanted to be. I mean, in, in more control of my income. Number one, um, and number two, uh, just really knowing that I have the people skills to to be involved in sales. So. It's hard to believe that I'm saying this, but uh, in 2026, it'll be 20 years uh, in my sales career. Wow. Congratulations. That's fantastic because I think you have to have the right, I don't know what the, like the right personality. You don't necessarily have to be an extroverted extrovert to be in sales. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I hear that all the time because introverts can make great salespeople. Absolutely. Because yeah, but there's a, there's a certain type of person that survives that long in sales. I mean, I think the, the tactics and learning the, the nuance of sales, anyone. Can mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that people get scared of when, it, when they hear, oh, I can never be in sales, is it's not necessarily that they're not good at it. Because sales is just basically listening to someone's problem and finding a solution and making it easily accessible right? and providing the value on the back end. So when it comes to sales, I think the word no and rejection is one of the biggest fear factors for people that are in sales. And anyone that says, oh, I would never be good at sales. I'm like, well, have you ever asked someone out on a date? Yeah. I mean, have you ever gone on a job interview? Yeah. Well, you're better at sales than you think you are. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's true. Like people don't, understand what sales is, like you said, they think it's about Mm -hmm. trying to convince somebody of something that they don't want to do. Correct. And that's, that's a big misconception for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I have a program on networking strategies, like how to feel comfortable and confident walking into networking on in-person networking situations. And it's kind of the same thing. Like people feel like networking is kind of slimy, like, well, I don't want to have to 
force people to hear what I do and I don't know how to tell them what I, it's not about you. It's about like sales, asking questions and being interested in the other person and, and how can I serve them? How can I be of service yep. to them? So because the show is called fine is a four letter word. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the time when everything in your life was fine, but not fine. Um, so, I mean, in, from our initial conversation, Lori, I mean, this is, this is what really got me excited, uh, to be able to share this because this is not about me. Yeah. I always see my experiences as an opportunity mm -hmm. to give someone else hope. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you had a very difficult experience and fairly recently. So I'm so honored that you're yep. willing to talk about it. So a vast majority of my sales career was in the digital marketing space, um, close to 15 years um, of that experience. And so I was the client of the, the, the current company that I work with now. And towards the, so I used the platform that I sell now for about a year and a couple months. And so at the end of 2021, I was like, it's time to make a change. Um, so dove headlong into this, uh, software as a service for a fairly new startup. I've never worked for a startup before coming from a, from an industry that I sold into previously, that was a very long sales cycle. It was very relational heavy, typically making pitches to large groups of people. Um, so lots of decision makers, lots of influencers. Um, so, I mean, one of my biggest accounts at that previous company was, I mean, it took me 18 months just to get a seat at the table mm. to give you a perspective. And so shifting from that to a fairly shorter sales cycle was the, was the transition for me. So new industry and, uh, a, a different mindset, uh, in terms of being able to speed up that, um, so being less relational i mean still there's a there's always going to be a component of relational in sales because people don't buy things they buy from people right so that's sh that shift i mean it took me a little bit of time but then about yeah mid-year last year um, my wife and i were expecting our fourth and june uh, she ended up having a miscarriage mm. so that took a, i mean a, i mean it hits i mean it, it nothing can prepare you Sure. Um, I can't and, imagine. I mean, pe people mean well. Um, I mean, you still have three beautiful kids and it's just like, oh, I mean, it still does not, I mean, take away from that pain. Yeah. Yeah. Of having that the anticipation of joy. I kind of relate it to like remembering when you were a kid and you're you're sitting on the curb and you're waiting for that parade and you're leaning forward and you're just you're waiting for that to come. Because you know it's going to come, and then all of a sudden, boom, like, no heartbeat. And for no apparent reason. Yeah, wow. So that's that's the hard part of not knowing the why yeah. that this occurred. So obviously, I mean, I'm so blessed that the, the organization I work with and the leadership that I have, I mean, values family first. So being able to know that I was able to be present with my wife and be present with my family and, and to go through that grieving process and to know that things were taken care of, but to that initial question of fine, but not fine, 
mm-hmm. is it ties back to the stigma of miscarriage. Like most people like don't realize that it's one in four of pregnancies. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then miscarriage. And so for something that is that common, that still doesn't have the people talking about it because of that stigma. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a personal pain, but at the same time, it's very, it's something that's just not talked about enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And my wife and I both believe that. So my, I mean, my wife went through, I mean, obviously grieving for me and, and going through that process on my end is different than my wife because like the questions that went through her head is, I mean, what could I have done differently? Yeah. Um, I mean, did I was not eating the right things? Was I mean, was I too stressed? Was I not like the, the what it, what could I have done? Mm-hmm. And very well, I mean, could have been there is nothing right. that could have been done to prevent it. But there's that guilt and shame almost yeah. that can come with come with that. Right. And like you said, people are well meaning, but they don't know a lot of times what to say. And I think this is in in relation to any death, whether it's uh, miscarriage or somebody who's lived a long life, people say the craziest mm-hmm. things because they don't know what to say. So they feel people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. around death as a whole. Yeah, and they want to say something, but then they're they're like brain kind of shuts off and they just say ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. How do you counter, like not counter necessarily, but what do you say to somebody who says something like that to you? And, and, you know, for the listeners, yeah, take some notes here on what not to say and what to say to people who are dealing with this kind of experience. Yeah. So uh, honestly, lots of grace. Mm. I mean, respond with grace. I mean, if someone says something that is off-putting or just flat out, just insensitive, but understand to, to exactly what you said, Lori, is they just don't know what to say. So the, the challenge there is, is that sometimes you just have to smile mm-hmm. and be like, we're, we're, we're getting through this. Yeah. And just not sometimes not, no response is the best response. Yeah. Because they are, I truly believe that they're coming from a place of care. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if they say something like, well, I mean, you know, just remember that you have three beautiful kids um, to, to, to love on right now. And so kind of bringing things back to the, the, the fine, not fine, I think that a lot of this experience, so is it's okay to talk about these things. Yeah. It's okay to be open and vulnerable when things because I mean, from a professional standpoint, I'm a very positive person and I don't want to necessarily like have these types of things be a a detriment, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. Like to have that confidant at work that you can just pull aside and say, Hey, like I may look like I got things together, Mm -hmm. but I'm really struggling here today. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you had that in your boss, right? And the, the higher and, and, my, and, and my and my and my colleagues as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What What was the best thing that somebody said to you 
or the most comforting thing? Honestly, it was nothing. Hmm. It was the power of presence. So it wasn't not acknowledging what you said or the information you shared. It was just holding space for you to just be with it. Yep. Yeah. That's hard for both sides often because we want to fill silence with words and, or something. So, I mean, and, and this was more, more important for my wife and for just having someone come over and do laundry mm. or, I mean, dropping off a meal and saying, we're praying for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. What helped you, because we had talked about this in the, in the previous call too, what helped you move forward? I mean, obviously there's a period of mourning. And there are some practical things that you can do or that you did do to help mm-hmm. you move from that place. Yeah. So it's, it kind of taught, I mean, it, it's really, cause that's not the, that's not the rest of the story, so to speak. Okay. I, mean, uh, I can't remember the guy. I can't remember the guy's name. Oh yeah. Um, oh, Paul, right. Har- Paul, Paul Harvey. Yes. Paul, I mean, and this is the rest of the story. So let's kind of, Jump fast forward. So June, kind of, kind of re, re, regained traction here professionally, and and then we got pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we, I mean, we both came from larger families. Uh, I'm the oldest of four, um, four boys to boot. Oh, God bless your mom. <laughs> so, exactly right. <laughs> Um, and if you said that to my mom, like, how did you do it? She's like, I'd rather have four boys than two girls close in age. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, hey, you said it, not me. And my wife's one of four as well. So, so we, we really knew that, hey, we weren't, we weren't done with three. I mean, rewind, I mean, almost 10 years ago, if you had, if, if I, someone said, hey, Mike, you're, you're going to have a big family. I would come like, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, look, remember Maybe it was just, I was still too close to coming out of the chaos of four boys. Yeah. Um, I wasn't quite mentally uh, or emotionally or mature enough uh, to be able to, to do that. But um, so we, we, we got pregnant again. So the due date of our first one was going to be December 31st. Mm. So then we got pregnant again. And right before, um, so early December, um, we had a second miscarriage. Mm. Wow. That's so difficult. Yeah. So how I handled the second one was different than how I handled the first. And it was good, good and bad. I I think the second one hit me a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I, I, I actually withdrew more than I looking back hindsight 2020 would have wanted to. Yeah. What do you think that that happened because you hadn't fully processed? I mean, you didn't have hardly enough time to process the full morning of the first one. Honestly, I think we were both still in, we were in a good place. Okay. Um, like we had talked about it a lot and we knew, I mean, uh, my, my wife's 10 years younger than me, but I'm 43 and it's like, do I really want to be like putting kids through college and trying to retire at the same time? Um, Come on, join the Gen Xers. We're all doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Um, So, so I I think it was, I mean, I I think that, yeah, we were definitely 
prepared um, to, to try again. It wasn't a uh, like, oh, we're pregnant again yeah. type scenario. But at the at the same time, we uh, like I said, the second the second one last year really it did hit differently around the holidays. But the, also the thing, the compounding of recognizing the time frame yeah. that we would have been yeah. expecting our first right. and having to deal with the, uh, the loss of the second. Right. So that's kind of where things were last year and, and having, I mean, the, the biggest takeaway that I hope people can really take, take from this and not necessarily from this topic apply this to whatever challenge that you're going through where you're putting on that brave face where you're putting on the the mask so to speak of yeah. fine I, I i whenever i hear the word fine i always think back to the uh, the movie the italian job freaked out insecure <laughs> neurotical and emotional yeah um and it's okay to not be okay yeah yeah did you need to ask for the support and help at work that you needed or did they just kind of give it to you? They just gave it. And I know not everyone has that type of understanding. Yeah. I literally, I mean, my, I mean, my, my director, my direct report, he knew we were expecting and he knew that I was going to be going to the appointments and stuff like that. And so when we found out, like I called him and he said, is everything okay? Mm. Knowing that we had gone through it already. And I said, no. Yeah. He said, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And for me being at the end of the year, that was tough because end of year is one of those things that, I mean, you're, you're trying to do everything that you can to make your numbers and, right. and, and push for those goals and. Um, being a, a single income family to, to provide, but having that support was critical from not only the personal side with our community that we have here, but also from a um, from a company side as well. Um, so any business leaders listening to this, yeah, empower your leaders. Yes, within your organization to have this type of discretion. That's so important. Now. The company that you were at before, because you were fairly new to this company, do you think you would have gotten the same support? Honestly, I don't know. Okay. I mean, for my for my direct report, absolutely. Like, um, I mean, where where you say and where most people are saying right now that people don't leave bad companies, they leave bad leadership. Right. Um, I did not have that at my previous organization. My my direct boss was just absolutely amazing. So. The uh, and, and as an organization, they were a great organization. I just for me, I just needed a, a change. Yeah. So, I I can't speak to that directly uh, in terms of what I've been able to take the time off that I did here. I I can't speak to that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this other question because this went through my head as you were talking too. What tools or how did you? How old are your kids? The three. Uh, eight. Eight, five, and almost two. Okay. So how did you empower them to deal with this? Like, how were they affected? I mean, obviously, when it comes to developmentally, yeah. I mean, being able to, to, to process these types of things, that it, 
is a lot of times outbursts and heavy emotions mm -hmm. come out in bad behavior. Yeah, yeah. And just like you have to show yourself grace, I mean, that type of stuff, especially for, for kids that can conceptually understand, I'm going to be a big brother, I'm going to be a big sister. Yeah. But we, we talked openly about it when it happened the first time. Mm -hmm. And we talked openly about it the second time. And really being able to, to walk through that together uh -huh. and allowing them to see us. Yeah. That we didn't grieve behind closed doors. We didn't deal with the emotions behind closed doors. We did it together. Yeah. As a family and even as a community, when we had family and friends over and when we had friends over that were helping out and, and the like to be able to, to talk through these things. Yeah. Um, so that's so important. I had a previous guest on my show and she had told the story about an older sister. I, if I'm remembering correctly, she was the youngest and she had somebody, her sister was like, her oldest sister was like 10 years older than her. So she was older sister mm -hmm. was like 19 or something. And when she passed away and I, I don't remember if, I don't think she shared how she passed, but the family completely did not talk about her, did not talk about her passing. Like it was like, she never existed. Mm. And, mm. and there were effects on the younger children because mm -hmm. Carol had said, I, it was like she just disappeared and they, they didn't let us have any emotions around it. And so I can only think that sharing, like you said, grieving openly, sharing the emotions, letting the kids have their emotions is healthy and so important yeah. for their development. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. We talked about your, uh, leaning into gratitude during this time. Yeah. So I'm a big believer that you will find what you look for. Mm -hmm. And so that even though a circumstance or a challenge in life, because it, it happens, we, we're all going to face trouble. We're all going to face challenges. We're all going to face things that are disappointing or whatever, whatever, however you want to put it. And by focusing on trying to find joy mm -hmm. in the midst of pain, yeah, like, you can you you have you can and you have to find joy mm. and it's not to mask or to to coat or anything like that it's about being able to have to have the emotions you need to have when grieving when trying to overcome a difficulty but being able to also have those moments of joy and and, and being grateful for those moments of joy yeah. And find and finding reasons to be thankful and to be grateful. And like my word for this year is, is restoration. Mm. And it's because of the gratitude that I had in those moments yeah. of feeling like how how can how how can this be reconciled? Yeah. And so going into 2023. Our word as a family is, is restoration. Mm, that sounds like the perfect word. Are there specific 
things you're doing to step into that word more? Well, it really ties back to my faith. And I mean, there's a a scripture that is really important to me. And it's, I mean, it's kind of twofold um, is that, I mean, in this life, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so it's, it's knowing that it's going to happen, but take heart. Mm. But it even goes back to the, um, that having life and having abundantly doesn't always mean prosperity in finances. It doesn't always mean prosperity in relationships, but it's being able to be grateful in the little and be equally as grateful in the much. Um, Because we're all going to have seasons of abundance and we're all going to have seasons of lack. It could be lack in time. It can be lack in communication when it comes to relationships. Um, and it can be lack financially as well. Yeah. So leaning into to that it has been just really important for, for us here. Yeah, that that makes like that's just so wise. Thank you for sharing that. Like I'm just taking a minute to uh process what you said because that was just so I say profound. It's just really insightful. And a lot of people don't, we're not saying, just to recap, we're not saying don't feel the emotions. You're you're saying Mm. feel the emotions. That's the healthy thing to do. And find Mm -hmm. the gratitude where you can as well, because it is there. Both, they they are Mm. not mutually exclusive. That's what I wanted to say. Nope. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It sounds like that also would be a good way of putting your definition of success. Is that true? So success for me is, is about not so much, I mean, in terms of financial wealth or the things that I have, but it ties back to, am I being a good steward Mm. with my, with my time? with my talents and with my resources, whatever that looks like. And I, I mean, as a family, yes, we do have dreams. We do have goals. We do. I mean, we are, I mean, striving to, I mean, my background on my, my desktop and even when I'm on zoom, I love to cook. Yes. Um, that is a, is a passion of mine. Um, but I, I don't want it to be something that I do from a finance, like to do, uh-huh. to make money. Because then I, me, I believe like I would probably. Right, right. It loses the joy when, yeah, when it has an an ulterior motive to it. Yeah. So like, I mean, one, one of our goals is to have an outdoor kitchen and to have a, I mean, we still have, we have a nice, I mean, a a nice home and, and uh, a nice backyard. And um, I, I still, I mean, we, we do with what we have Um, and we, and we still practice that and have people over and I, cook a lot of good food, but being able to do that. But I mean, have, being able to, I mean, to have, I mean, an, a, even a better um, place for people to come in and enjoy and have community and fellowship. Yeah. yeah. What, what would be the last thing like that? Obviously you, you wanted to share this topic and share this, this difficult story 
this difficult experience that you went through. And I am so grateful for your bravery and come to coming on and talking about it. What else would you want people to hear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, it, it doesn't have to tie to, to that specific topic of miscarriage, but being able to just be brave when it's not easy yeah. and be vulnerable because you're going to be amazed at the people that come around you that that want to lift you up yeah and have the resources and the and the ability to do that and it and if, if you have someone in your life that's going through a tough time sometimes all they need is that power of presence mm. yeah the power of presence and being and being physically there yeah love it my last question is always what is Sure. The, what is the song that you listen to when you need an extra boost of energy? What's your hype song? So it's not really a hype song, but it's it's a it's a recentering mm-hmm. song for me. Um, it's uh, by Brandon Lake, and it's called Gratitude. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and it and it's just really it's it it's a, I would call it I don't want to say ballad because ballad can have a lot of different terms, but it's just a very it's a very good heart to heart um song that just really helps me focus on what's most important ah yes that is that is beautiful we all need to do that uh more often than we are is focusing on what is important thank you mike if people want to continue this conversation with you where is the best place for them to reach you um, I mean, LinkedIn is always a great place uh, to, to connect and I mean, and I'm happy to be in here okay. to anyone that needs just to, uh, to kind of talk through the difficult season that they're going through. So Cool. Thank you for that. I will put a link in the show notes to both your song and to your LinkedIn profile. And yeah, Wonderful. thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four Letter Word. Lori, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. When Mike and I first connected on LinkedIn, I had no idea what his story was. In fact, now that I'm thinking about the time frame, this story that he shared hadn't even played out yet when we first connected. You never know what's happening in people's lives, and you don't necessarily need to know. But that's why it's important to come from a place of compassion no matter what. Here are the key takeaways from this one. Number one. Mike's a sales guy, so he knows the biggest thing people are scared of when it comes to sales is hearing the word no. But he advises if you've ever asked someone out on a date or had a job interview, you're probably better at sales than you think you are. Number two, your experiences, whether good or bad, can provide an opportunity to give someone else hope. Number three, when someone you know is grieving an unimaginable tragedy. Often, the best thing you can do to comfort them is to say nothing and just be present with them. Number four, whenever you're going through a tough situation and putting on a brave face for the world, it's important to acknowledge it's okay to not be okay. And number five, if you're the leader of a company or organization, 
Empower your leaders to have the discretion to give their employees the time and space they need to breathe.